Hello and welcome to the Noodlebugs podcast, where we discuss aspects of the natural world. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. Today we spoke to Melissa Clare, who is a nature expert and the founder of Firekeepers and the Carolyn Kids Group. Hello, Mel. Hi, Ned. <laughs> Welcome to today's podcast. This is Thank Mel. You very much. This is Mel. She runs the Firekeepers expedition, you might call it. I'll just let Mel explain it for you. <laughs> Thanks, Ned. Um, yeah, my name's Mel. I live on Wurundjeri country in Melbourne and in the eastern suburbs I live. Um, and, yeah, I've been running nature connection programs with firekeepers for five and a bit years, and that's how I met Ned at Carawong Kids, a homeschool program. I don't know. How long, how long ago did I meet you? I don't know, actually. A long time ago. Like probably at least four years ago, I reckon. Freya was very little. Very little. So our first question for you, Mel, is, Mm -hmm. well, just tell us a bit about yourself and how you became so interested in nature. Like, when did you see, like, did you see, like, a flower growing and and go, oh, my God, I want to start a nature group about that? (laughs) Oh. Mm, I've seen lots of flowers growing. I do love flowers. (laughs) Um, um, well, I think I've always been interested in nature. When I was a kid, we used to go camping a lot. I grew up in a family with five, well, I have four siblings, so big family. And yeah, we used to go camping with a couple of other families and we'd bake, we'd have this whole camp. It was amazing. We'd play in the creeks and do all sorts of exploring and yeah, and I guess when I grew up, I kind of wanted that for more people. Yeah. And, yeah, I I was inspired by friends overseas who were doing similar things. And when I came back, I wanted to create that for the kids here. Yeah, that sounded real. That sounds really fun being able to play by the creek and do that. Unfortunately, yeah. with the lockdown and COVID, we aren't we aren't able to really go outside or anything. Well, we can go outside, but we can't gather in groups. No, which means we can't do Carlin kids. I know. It's pretty sad. We haven't done it for over a year, hey? No. Mm. That sucks. But, but people have still been going outside and having their own wonders. Yeah. Which I'm sure is- you've been doing that. What is meant by nature awareness and how can we be more nature aware? So I guess nature awareness is being aware of the things that are happening outside of you, although you're nature too. But I think nature awareness is like knowing what the seasons are doing, knowing where 
the moon is in its cycle. Um, knowing, yeah, knowing what other species live near you, like what what are the mammals that live in your backyard or live even in your house or what, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> hmm. And it's just asking lots of questions and being curious. What What is nature awareness to you, Ned? What do you think um, nature awareness is? It's knowing that you have a mouse. Knowing that you have a mouse. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Knowing that someone else is eating your oats. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or your broad beans in the garden. Yeah. Mm. Well, Hold on, I'm going to go into detective mode for a minute. Well, you appear to have, we have a little bit of a case on our hands. Oh. Well, the problem is we were growing broccoli recently and it has disappeared. The whole thing? Yeah, nothing. How how big was it? It was, it was pretty big. It was. The broccoli, like the broccoli flower or like the plant? the, The broccoli flower. And it left, and it, but it just kind of left the stem, and then later it went back for the stem. Were there nibble marks? Uh, yes, there were nibble marks. How big? How big were the nibble marks? I, it was hard to describe. There was like lots of little small nibble marks, but it kind of merged into one big nibble mark. Yeah, I wonder if you could see the individual nibble marks, like you could imagine how big the teeth were. That could help you try and identify who it was. Like our main a bird su- or a mouse or a Our main possum. suspects are possums. Yeah, yeah. We have possums and possums and possums here, loads of possums. What kind of possums do you have? Uh, I think they're sugar possums. Sugar, sugar possums? Possum. No. No, I'm not sure. Mm. Ringtail possums. Ringtail possums? Ringtail possums and brushtail possums are pretty common Yeah, probably. around. They've done well in urban areas. Yeah. So what are the dangers of not being nature aware? What happens when you don't be nature aware or if no one was nature aware? The first thing that I think of is you might fall in a hole. <laughs> like if you, if you're not, if you have kind of blinkers on and you don't know what's going on or like if you're always staring at a screen, you might not know what's going on and you might like walk into something. But I think on a, in a bigger sense, like if you're not nature aware, then you'd be disconnected to the world around you. And I think for me, I'd be a lot sadder. Yeah. I think I think if we if we're not nature aware, then we don't notice things and maybe we don't don't care about things. Yeah. Big sad. Big sad. Yeah, very big sad. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think we like maybe lose our wonder as well, because there's so much magical things that happen in nature yeah like yeah 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 big sad <laughs> big sad and walk into tree <laughs> fall down a hole <laughs> get swooped by magpie all sorts of things <laughs> yeah it feels like birds are actually being more aggressive recently because in the past week i've been swooped on by like two birds why do you think that is I don't know. Maybe they're upset that they haven't gotten as, as much attention as they would normally because of lockdown. They haven't got as much attention. Yeah, you reckon they've got less attention? I reckon they've got more attention. Maybe I reckon people are noticing birds more. Oh yeah, maybe they've but, got maybe they've gotten cocky. 
Maybe they're going to go, <laughs> this is my territory. <laughs> well, but, like, what season is it right now? It's yeah. winter. It's, it's winter coming into spring. It's literally raining buckets at the moment. It is. I know, but yesterday was delicious. It was so warm. Yeah, it was so warm. So we're, like, in the bridge between um, winter and spring in, you know, in those four calendar seasons that come from the Northern Hemisphere. But, um, yeah, springtime, a lot of birds are doing this thing called nesting and and they might be wanting to protect their babies. Mm-hmm. That yeah. might be yeah. one of the reasons, I reckon. Yeah, that's fair. I've also been seeing a lot more cockatoos, like, like calling, cowing. which kind there's three different kinds of cockatoos in melbourne Uh, the kind with like the the yellow the yellow thing the yellow spiky thing on top of their heads like mohawk sulfur crested cockatoos them yeah have they been up in the trees uh they haven't been in the trees i've i've seen them like flying around though and i've heard them no i haven't seen them i've heard them i've heard them as well yeah that's something I love about cockatoos. You often hear them before you see them. Even so, there's the sulfur crested and there's the um, yellow-tailed black cockatoo, which I just think is the most incredible bird. And then there's the um, gang gang, and all of them. I pretty much always hear them before I see them. And then gang gang though is so quiet. Often I only hear them when you just like hear nuts and things falling from trees, and you're like, "What is that sound?" And then I sneak up and I look up. And this, there might be a gang gang, which is like grey with some pink. They're really awesome. Oh, and they sound like, when they're flying, they sound like a creaky door. Have you heard them? I think I have, actually. I, I think I have done. Cockatoos are awesome. Yeah, they are awesome. They're so cool. <laughs> so can you tell us a bit about wild food, like food you might find in the wild? Do we walk past food every day without realising? Oh, like, my gosh, Yes. Yes. Yes, I was thinking about this and I was thinking like out the back of my back door, probably the first wild food that I come across is nettle. I have nettle growing in a pot, like stinging nettle. It's like protective, like careful if you're going to break into a house with some stinging nettle. um, It's very nutritious, but, yeah, you have to be careful when you harvest it. Um, It would be kind of painful to put in your mouth. Yes, yes. You need to, that one, you need to like blanch it first. So that means like put it in boiling water or, yeah. Um, but also there's like oxalis everywhere and that's like sour flour. And oh, yeah, I've, I've had eat, that before. I've had that before. Yeah, that's pretty fun. And then you can't eat too much. And then there's dandelion and chickweed, just like super close to my backyard. And they're oh, all interesting. Chickweed's the one with the mohawk, right? That one? Yes, yes. You remember along the stem. Yep. Got a mohawk. That's how you tell. And it doesn't have it doesn't have the sap. No. If you, if you find something like chickweed, it has a sap, then don't eat it. A milky white. Yeah. Yeah, so there's so much. When I go on walks, I love just like, oh, that, that, and that, and that, and that. Yum, 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 yum. <laughs> yum, 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 yum. <laughs> and then, of course, there's bush foods too. But I like to I like to harvest um, weeds. Well, I, sometimes I call them volunteer plants. Volunteer plants. Um, yeah, because, the you know, 
they grow everywhere and they're pretty resilient um, and often people don't even know that they're edible. So, and sometimes they're less wanted. So I try to harvest them more. Okay. But you've got to be careful when you're harvesting because if there's, like, if it's on the side of the road, maybe there's things that wash off the road or the pollution from the cars yeah. or dogs weeing on them. You've got to be just a bit more aware. Yeah. And that they're healthy. But, yeah, so many. What 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 edible weeds have you found or do you know about? Um. Well, I already knew about all the ones that you've just told me because you've, yeah. you've told me before. The other ones I know is there's a, I don't know if all clovers are edible, but I, there's we have this specific clover that grows and you can eat it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The flowers? Do you eat the leaves? I don't uh, remember. Neither do I. <laughs> I just know. <laughs> I, can, I know you can eat the flowers. Oh, the other thing that's awesome, especially at the moment, is lily pillies. And they're native. Do you know lily pillies? Uh, they're like pink. <laughs> they're like a little teeny pink apple and that's pretty sometimes awesome. a bit purple. They're super cute. Like they're really bright. And a lot of people plant them in their gardens, but they're in trees as well. They're in trees, huh? They're <laughs> in big parks as well. And they're native. Maybe they're from Gippsland. I'm not sure. Um, and they're tasty, kind of watery, but um, crisp like a little mini apple. I know I'm kind of walking back a couple steps here, two steps back, mm-hmm. one step forward or something like that. But <laughs> about about the cockatoos and birds, I've actually yeah. seen two tawny frogmouse in a tree recently, actually. <gasps> really? Oh. For those people who don't know what a tawny frog mouth is, it's basically like it's like a bird if it was a piece of bark. <laughs> yeah. yeah oh. in. Did you have you heard them call? I haven't heard them call before, no. Did you see them during the day or at night? Uh during the day. Wow. That's awesome. They're hard to spot, like yeah, they obviously, because they look like bark. Yeah. I, I mostly see them at night. Sometimes I had a, I had a period of time where they would land on um, uh, a wire outside my bedroom window and they would call and I'd be like, oh, the tawny's calling, and I'd get out of bed and have a look or have a chat with them. Mm. <laughs> They're so good. They're kind of like, mm, mm, mm. Well, I, yeah. I saw one the other day and it was much faster. It was like, it's oh, it's such a cool, sometimes a bit haunting call. Sounds kind of like a monkey. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we have a few animals that sound like monkeys. Yeah, quite a lot. I remember, an an American person came to Australia and um, was teaching a course that I was over here for. Well, that I went to, and um, when they heard kookaburras, <laughs> they were like, "What on earth is that? Some crazy monkeys?" Like, no, they're kookaburras. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, we've got some pretty interesting birds. Yeah. Australia is a good place to find birds. <laughs> There's also a lot of dangerous things in Australia. It's kind of notorious for having lots of spiders, lots of snakes. Pretty much everything that's dangerous lives in Australia. Yeah, there is that. Yep. 
<laughs> it was amazing when I lived in New Zealand. Um, I used to go, a lot of people hang out barefoot, where all well, the people that I was hanging out with hung out barefoot and um, went bushwalking barefoot and, and even running on bush trails barefoot. And it, it was so so weird for my head to be like, oh, that stick is just a stick. It's only ever going to be a stick in this country. <laughs> it's not going to be a snake. I don't have to be as alert. So maybe, you know, maybe Australians that go into the bush, maybe we were, we are more nature aware because we have to be aware of hazards and snakes and spiders and things. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. That's, maybe. That's, that's interesting to think about it. Think yeah, I haven't thought about it until this moment, actually. <laughs> Thanks for your question. That's the point of a podcast. Isn't it? It's great. I love it. <laughs> so what is the most useful plant, in your opinion, like the most useful plant you can find in the wild? It could be a food, could be a healing plant, could be something like plantain, wow. which is like a healing yep. plant. Yep. Now, you sent me these questions a few days ago, and I've been thinking about this one. This has felt like the hardest question that you asked, Ned, because mm. I think it depends on who you're asking. Like, mm. like a human might think something, and lots of different humans would think different things, but a human would totally think something different to other animals. And so my first thought, well, not my first thought, my 20th thought was like maybe like something that's close to me is dandelion that I think is pretty useful because you can make tea out of it. You can make tea out of it. You can make like coffee kind of thing out of the root. Coffee. You tea. can eat coffee tea. <laughs> well, yeah, you can make. Yeah, yeah, like you can make probably tea out of the leaves though, and you can definitely eat the leaves and and it, it's bitter, so it it's quite good for you because there's not many bitters in our diet. No. And. Last year, I started collecting really long flower stems um, to weave with. It's really nice to weave little mini baskets with. Oh. And they're, you know, they're useful collect for collecting little mini things. And you can make donuts out of the flowers. <laughs> Why? Why? Because it's yum. Awesome. Because they're awesome and they're like little suns and they're just beautiful. And and like little kids and big kids love blowing their seeds. So I thought maybe dandelion was one of my most useful things. You know, hold on, funny story about blowing dandelion seeds. Yeah. Once upon a time, I was blowing dandelion seeds. Like I found this dandelion and it was all ready yeah. and it was really windy. And I was staring straight into the wind and I blew the dandelion and then the seeds just blew straight back into my mouth. <laughs> Were they tasty? No, no, they weren't tasty. <laughs> they tasted like I was choking. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's not so good. <laughs> not so good. <laughs> yeah. But then, like, you know, with your question about useful plants, like, I think... You know, if, if I chose one plant and that was the only plant, then it wouldn't be very useful because we really need everything. Yeah, it's an ecosystem. And it made me think about really big old trees and how many different species interact with them. And oh, it just blows my mind. The thing is, if, so, I, you know. 
if I were asked that question, mm-hmm. I think what I, would you I if I would I would have said mushrooms, but I can't because Ooh. they're not a plant. Yeah, that's what your last podcast, well, the one that I heard was was mm-hmm. about. Hey, amazing. Yeah. Oh, there was something else that just popped into my head when you said that too. Oh, a really another useful one in my backyard is yarrow. Do you know yarrow? I don't think I've heard of that one, no. It's kind of feathery. It's another weedy kind of one. It's not not from here originally, but it's really awesome if you cut yourself, you get a leaf of it and you chew it up and you stick it on your skin and it helps you heal. It's pretty sweet for that. Oh, can, you tell us really, hmm? can you tell us a bit more about healing plants? Like what common ones are there in Australia that you can find? Well, there was one that you, you talked about. Oh, yeah. What was the one you talked about? I talked about plantain. Mm. This is How one can of my, you use that? This is one of my favourites because it's like it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. But the What does it look like? Uh, it looks like it looks like like a leaf on the ground it looks like like a bundle of leaves and mm-hmm. i think something grows out the middle of it mm-hmm. maybe i'm wrong i can't remember what no, no. yeah something grows out the middle i forgot what grows out the middle but something does and if you take the leaves and you chew them up you have to chew them up because you need to get the spit on the plant for some reason otherwise it doesn't work then you can put it on like a cut or a rash and it helps heal it Mm-hmm. So that's what plantain is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that's super common. In in other in some countries, it's called like white man's footprints because it's followed European people when they have traveled around the world and settled and colonized places. It's it's also colonized places. When you talked about yarrow, my question yeah. is, what does what does yarrow actually look like? What does it look like? Oh, I think my backyard is a bit overgrown, so I'm just like looking through the long grass over there. It's got like long, long leaves. It's it grows on the ground. It's just low. It's got long, like maybe let's say I'm making this up, maybe say like 15 centimeters long. Um, and it's all like feathery. Uh, what does it look like? It like. Mm, it all kind of branches out a little bit and it's feathery maybe maybe a teeny bit like a carrot but really not (laughs) and it's kind of flat (laughs) it has has lots of edge uh it's quite the shape is quite amazing really um and probably is it a little bit hairy I don't think so I haven't chewed it up for quite some time, but it is one of my favourites when I see it. I don't see it as as often as my my friend who was like four taught me about this. Um, she said this is one of the most important plants, and it was growing everywhere where she lived. So I actually had to plant it in my backyard, but it does grow. Um, and it has so it has a stem and it has a big flower head that's called an umbelliferaceae flower head because it looks like an umbrella of lots of little flowers Mm -hmm. and it can be white sometimes I think pink or yellow often it's white little flowers yeah oh yeah 
so what are the what are the most like i'm just thinking about this what are the most common mistakes people make in regards to nature like feeding bread to ducks or something mm. well yeah there's feeding bread to ducks and there's like thinking that you can control nature by like pulling things out and putting things in other places thinking we know better than nature and then there's yeah I guess thinking that common mistakes yeah thinking that we're not nature ourselves okay so Mel why oh and here's like a little pop quiz for you why is bread bad for ducks well whenever I think about what we should feed to animals I think does that duck does that duck know how to grow grains and grind it up and like ferment it and or add yeast and bake it and no uh, no <laughs> it kind of makes me think like yeah I don't so, think I'm supposed to eat that yeah <laughs> yeah so like ducks have their own way of eating grains and slugs and all sorts of things that they eat so is that, is that tasty to you, Ned? No, I don't like eating slugs. I had to save one from mummy pouring salt on it. And I put him in the garden. Yeah. 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 I, like I think, you know, we each have our different niche in, 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 do you know what niche means? Uh, like knack. Thing that you're like a, thing that like a spot, a spot uh-huh. in nature where we fit and, yeah, I don't know. I think I'm getting a bit off topic now, but yeah. Well, I think it's just not good for them. They their digestive system is different. It's not made for bread. Yeah. Is okay. the short answer. Yeah. But yeah, thinking that we know better is is a is a common mistake, I yeah. think. Okay. Well, I've just realized that on I've got a little list here which has just hmm. some questions that has like a vague thing that's like oh, this is vaguely how the podcast's going to go. And, and, mm-hmm. and number seven, the, th- <coughs> the seventh question is, what do you think about deep ecology, the idea that all living things have an equal right to exist? That's a good question. The third, but in brackets, it says, Ned makes us lift our bikes over ant trails. Who wrote that? Is that true? It's true, <laughs> yes, but who wrote that? Who did write that? Who's the ghost writer? <laughs> Mm. wasn't me so yeah so what do you think Ned I think that I think that like you shouldn't kill like ride your bike over an ant trail if you don't have to Mm. yeah I would rather not have to kill anything ever Mm. yeah what do you think yeah I agree I think um, if we can, it's like life is pretty amazing. And if we can, it's great if life can continue. Um, yeah. And I also think that life does continue. Like if if something dies or gets killed, then someone else will eat it. That's true. Like if an eagle kills a mouse and eats a mouse, that mouse then, like, will turn into the eagle and, like, 
get a chance to fly. Yeah, that that's pretty cool. Or, yeah, like I think about it a lot when I've got leftovers from dinner and it's like I'm probably not going to eat this. If, if I might put it, put it in the fridge, it might go mouldy and then I'll finally put it in the compost. But I could actually just feed it straight to the chickens and then the chickens will eat it and they'll be pretty happy and then they'll they'll lay some eggs and I'll eat some eggs and it kind of goes around and round and round. Yeah, but deep ecology, yeah, like we're all connected and we're all, we all rely on each other. When I think about deep ecology, I think about like a web of everything connected to each other and, and you know, if we lose a big chunk of that, then the whole web is weaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Mel, in the, in the terms yeah. of like if you have like an egg from a chicken, yeah, I, I'm only thinking about this because I learned how to fry an egg just to, just yesterday, which is the yep. only reason I thought of this question. When you Great. have an egg from a chicken, is it actually is it alive? Mm. Is that egg alive? Because it's not quite alive, but it does have the potential to be alive. Well, <clears throat> I I think it only has the potential to be alive if it's fertilized. That's so, yeah, so it's kind of only half of, you can't really say half alive. It's either alive or it's not alive, really. But it, it has the potential when it's inside the chicken. Sorry. But Sorry if there's no rooster. Sorry for interrupting, but that's right. I, you, you do say um, there's no barrier, no in-between between alive and dead, but I've, I've done a bit more research <laughs> and it's kind of seeming less and less like that because you've got... Oh, yes. And, like, if you think of, like, what about a virus? A virus isn't mm. alive. It doesn't fit mm. up the definition of alive, but it also isn't dead because it oh. exists and has DNA and moves around of its own accord. It's like a message that gets sent to cells to make them do different things, isn't it? Hmm. Makes makes me think of that podcast that I listened to of yours where um, is that the ants take a fungus back to oh yeah the uh, Paul Stammert yeah had a bunch of ants or a termite infestation and he put out cordyceps which are a type of like a zombie fungus yeah they're pretty awesome and the termites took the zombie fungus into their home and it acted as basically a non-toxic pesticide. Which is pretty cool, but if if it was me, then I would just live with the termites. Although that would mean I'd probably have a house for them. (laughs) 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 Yes, consequences. Um, Yeah. Mm. So, so, but in that case, like the fungus, the fungi is alive. Mm-hmm. And so, what what's the definition of life? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, is is a virus not alive because it doesn't have a cell? A virus isn't alive because it can't actually reproduce. A, a virus hasn't oh, by itself that's not the right thing. But it isn't, it doesn't do anything by itself. By itself, 
It can't do anything. It it's has dependent. to have a host. It has to have a host to do anything. But isn't that like us? <laughs> if, if I was floating around in space, I don't know. Yeah, that's true. But like... <laughs> I'm ruining your science. I'm sorry. No, my science. <laughs> yeah, I think we're all codependent. We're all dependent on everything else. But yeah, yeah. Mm. I love your question so much. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah. Another question is like, what lessons can we learn from Indigenous culture? Like the Indigenous wow. people who used to be really good at this, like they would all know all the healing plants, which fungi they could eat, and if termites would, would eat their sticks and stuff, how to light a fire. Yes. What lessons can we learn from that? Well, yeah, exactly. All of that. We can learn what it is to be long to be in a place for a really long time mm -hmm. and to know the seasons and to know, like, you know, um, different, different seasonal indicators will tell you different things about what other species are doing because it all kind of happens together. Um, but first peoples, like, are extremely resilient. They've already gone through huge epidemics hey we're living in a pandemic at the moment but when when um people other people came to australia settlers and colonists came to australia they brought all sorts of diseases yeah. so they're really resilient people and they've also survived like australia like first peoples of australia are the oldest continuing culture on Earth. it's That's amazing awesome. it's pretty awesome and so people in australia have lived through climate change and ice ages and it just blows my mind you know and and i kind of believe that that ancestral knowledge is in people's bones um like or the the knowledge of your ancestors is in your bones yeah that's that's really that's true really so yeah, having a deep connection to country and caretaking for country and, um, yeah, so much. Yeah, and obviously a lot of that has been broken because of what's happened here, but people are really resilient and really determined to um, protect country for their kids and future generations. So, so we can learn a lot. I think we just need to do more listening. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It's been amazing talking to you now. Mm, so good to see you, Ned. I get to see you because this is on <laughs> Zoom. I'm lucky. <laughs> yeah, it's been really great. Thank you. Thanks for being here with us, Mel. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> Congratulations, you've made it to the end of this Noodlebugs podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. 
Look out for other Noodlebugs podcasts that may be coming soon, and have a good day. Hold on, how come everyone's laughing now? <laughs> you can just answer a question. Just send it, just send it. You're on task. <laughs> <laughs>